everyone you won't believe this but we've been doing this for about half an hour we've had a number of technical issues but uh, welcome hopefully this will be it thank you so much for joining us uh, on our second podcast in the fortnight uh, we'll be reviewing things like the the game against Cheltenham and Swindon who'd have thought it and we'll be looking at our upcoming games against Crawley and uh, and Cambridge we're getting all the season uh, this week uh, and um, it'll be good to talk uh, about those two things as well as uh, floodlights Contract issues that will be coming up uh, towards the end of the season. Thoughts, hopes, aspirations, dreams and darkness. Uh, everything that we can. And, and with me today is Tom. Tom, how are you? Very good, thank you. How good. are you? Yeah, not too bad. We're going to keep these intros shorter now because this is about the fifth one we've done to one another, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll short and sweet. We were both at the Swindon game on Saturday. Uh, both travelled to deepest, darkest Wiltshire. Uh, I braved the uh, magic roundabout, only nearly crashed once, which was brilliant. Uh, and um, so, Tom, how did you feel the game went? What was your thoughts overall? Uh, it'd be really good to hear what you thought of it, actually. I thought so. Uh, initially, after the game, very disappointed. Um, I thought we could have won it. And then I had a bit of a reflection the following day and thought, when you look back on it, maybe a point was a good result. But I thought in the first half, Certainly within the town end at the game, there was a lot of frustration that we weren't getting out of our own half, that um, we weren't really doing much. But I think if you actually looked at the game and looked at the formation, looked where we were sitting on the field, I thought that we were sitting deliberately deep and we were sort of inviting them on to us a little bit to try and almost wear them out. And we rode a look. They sort of had that double save that we talked about with Maka. Uh, and then he had a pop shot which was a really good save as well um, we did ride a look but I thought the tactic was working and then we were about to make a change with Dennis coming on in the second half and uh, we lost Ludwig and then Dennis wasn't coming on anymore and who did we bring on? Uh, we brought on um, somebody was it Whitmore? Yeah, we brought on Whitmore, uh, and then um, Dennis came on later for um, for uh, uh, Cook. And yeah, I don't know I, who. In the game, I thought Thomas was going to come off. Do you know what? I was t- Thomas is a bit of an enigma to me. He's an amazing striker, and maybe that's one of the things that I shouldn't be so worried about. But when I, when you go down to ten men, he's not doing that running around and chasing down their defence. He's quite a languid guy, and will he doesn't look. It's, it's, it's just the way he looks. He doesn't look like he's exerting that much effort. While Cook, on the other hand, I found it before he was taken off, was running around like a blue ass fly and was chasing down everything. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what you thought. So I was quite surprised that uh, Thomas didn't come off for um, Dennis when the decision was made. Do you think that would have been the same if the red card hadn't been? Do you think that's what would have? Um, that's who would yeah, have come off. I think if the red card had not been, Thomas was coming off without a doubt because okay. he hadn't... Re- I, I, I totally agree, he's been a good striker for us, but off the ball, he doesn't really give you much. No. Um, I, I think in that situation, when we went down to 10 men, he stayed on because he's our top scorer and he has had a couple of like goals this season where the ball's basically dropped and he's 
managed to get a foot on it and it's gone in and um, he seems like he's the sort of person who can get you a goal, not out of nothing, but certainly he's more likely to get than anybody else that we've got in the squad. Yes. Yeah. Goal-scoring record. But I think had, had uh, Oman stayed on the field, and his second yellow was pretty harsh. I think both players just ran into each other, basically. Um, their their bloke made a meal of it, and I don't know, what, do you want, what do you want him to do? You can't really get out of the way when he's... Just... I, I thought he made a deliberate attempt move to, towards him. So the, the first yellow card is, is, is not Oman's fault. He was left high and dry by the fence around him, who just disappeared. And he had to take one for the team and just pull him back. Um, The second one, I think he might have... I I can only go from it. From my experience in ice hockey, I think that would have been a a penalty call. I think that would have been a hip check. I think there was a little bit of a deliberate movement in there. But again, it's it's one of these things nowadays. You're going to start collecting these cards for these silly things. I think we've all especially the older generation such as ourselves, Tom, we might need to sort of alter our perception of what a yellow and what a red is nowadays because I don't I don't seem to, to know what a foul is anymore uh, because I, I think sort of four or five years ago that wasn't a foul. And now I'm saying, well, I've seen him and I, I, I can see why he gives it. And there was that, did you see that video of the um, the woman, the England footballer, the England women's footballer against Brazil this week? Where she took the ball cleanly and she was, uh, it was a foul as well. If not, it's well worth looking up. Uh, but I don't know. That just might be the general state of uh, ref, uh, of refereeing now. Um, he was he was a particularly pernickety ref when it came to throw-ins. I remember that. He certainly didn't like a foul throw, did he? He gave one of them, and he was very particular on where throw-ins were taken. Everything yeah, else, he kind of let right. That, that in, over the last two seasons, I've seen a lot of foul throws, and it's a really basic thing to do. I don't think you should be able to get away with it. No, but true. What I would say was, they in the first half, there was a challenge on a town player, um, which I think was definitely worthy of, of a red. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, who was that? Uh, oh. was it, on, uh, it was on the midfield, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it might have been on Hessenthaler, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, so- we were there what else do you want i was too busy yeah. flicking the v's at these two little uh runts of kids next door to me in the swindon <laughs> end um <laughs> so i wasn't paying that much attention to it i was i was admiring the symmetry of the swindon town and grimsby town in the um old sort of digital style scoreboard uh which was quite pleasing to watch <laughs> but um, if you see the scoreboard the scoreboard from where me and my brother were sat uh, so we didn't even realise there was a scoreboard until the end, and we were leaving. <laughs> so it's so sunny though, wasn't it? It was an incredible day. And yeah, if if you've never was... d- done the county ground, you you um, we might not. Go. Yeah, go to the steam museum beforehand. All aboard the promotion train, etc. <laughs> that's 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 Tom's um, recommendation for the day. I just re- drove to the cricket club. It was only five to park, and it's right next to the away end. And the uh, bar's pretty good. Um, but I thought it was, my personal opinion, I thought it was a bit of a, I was disappointed in the performance. It was nice to see after the red card, we obviously put in a hell of a lot more impetus. And I, I have no problem with us sitting back and potentially sort of um, kicking them on the break uh, and waiting for them to wear down. But I think there is merits too, if you're going to do that and you're basically just going to try and hold on to the seat of your pants for the first sort of 60 minutes, that there is some um, merit in 
spending five, ten minutes attacking and putting all your worth into it just sporadically. Because then what it does is it pushes their, their guys back slightly in terms of uh, they'd be a bit nervous of, of, of our dangers because we didn't really threaten at all. And uh, we, I mean, me and you have mused over the, the statistics more than most of the guys on here in terms of where sort of how how low we are on sort of shots on target and how high we are for shots that we've conceded on our own goal. And you kind of, where's the correlation in terms of where we are? We're 11th in the Football League and we're quite a way through the season now. So it's not just a blip. I, I think I put all that down to Maka. Like he's he's incredible. This was his 400th game. He made two or three sort of gold nine saves. The guy's unreal. And I think he's one of the only reasons that probably demerits our... If we had a worse goalkeeper, I'm, and I'm not talking Tommy Forecast, I'm talking someone just of a little bit less uh, ability, I think we would find ourselves in the lower half of the table because he saves us so many points a year. Yeah, I think on Saturday, though, the way we played was deliberate. I think we definitely sat a lot deeper because there's been a lot of sort of media talk about how good Swindon are on the counter-attack just lately. Um Oh, their twenty-two was rapid. Yeah, and, and I think we, so. I think like we probably sat. If you look at like sort of your own half of the pitch, I think we probably sat ten yards deeper than what we'd normally sit. And and that that tactic, all right, we had to make a couple of sort of last-ditch saves or whatever. But I think overall that tactic worked, and that's why with about sixty minutes gone, we were bringing on Dennis. Yeah. Um, I think we were then sort of like going for the, we're going to ramp it up now. We're bringing on another forward. He's got a bit of pace. He can finish. And they're going to have to do do a, not just a bit of defending, but they're going to have to think about how many players they commit forward as well. Uh, but the defending, uh, sorry, the, the sending off changed that completely. Um, and that was... When you were in the ground, I think you, you could see that because Dennis was stripped off, ready to come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was, in a way, quite heartbreaking because I, I, I certainly have said this to a lot of people since the game. I thought when we equalised straight after they scored from the kickoff, I genuinely thought, I mean, the, the town end was hopping. I thought it was going to be one of those games where the, the crowd gets you over the line. Um it's one of those, I don't even remember the Liverpool-Dortmund game in the, the UEFA or the Champions League, whatever it was, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was one of them where the game got changed almost as much by the crowd as it did by the performance of the, the team on the <laughs> on the field. Yeah. Um, and I, I genuinely thought we were in that sort of moment on Saturday for, for a, a, a good while. And we did have two glorious opportunities to win the game, which both fell to Dennis. There was one from the edge of the box and then that uh, misplaced pass. He won. he was devastated at the full-time whistle. He was he was uh, he threw his uh, threw himself forward in uh, in agony when the final whistle went. He knew he'd blown a good chance. And I, I'll be honest, it's in a way it's good to see him sort of taking it so personally and being so pissed off with himself. Um, it was it was a good thing to see because I always worry about players coming in at such short notice. They don't really have that sort of affiliation or that hurt. It might just be professional pride, but either way, it's still good to see him so wound up at himself for not taking it. And it was a, it was a good opportunity, especially the one-on-one chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they should have scored. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh... Um... 
Well, equally, I don't know. I, don't know like, I, I think when you look, like me and my brother were talking about on the train on the way back, I thought if you actually look back at the game, I mean, they inside the post, they had yeah. that one-on-one in the first half, they had a couple of chances in the second half. Overall, I, I think considering we spent the best part of half an hour, well, how many minutes stoppage time was? It was quite a lot of stoppage time. Six minutes, it? if I remember rightly. We basically spent like a third of the game with 10 men. Yeah. Like, it was actually a pretty good result. Do you think we've got a disciplinary record? Uh, well, a, a, a problem? We've had red cards, haven't we? Uh, we've had, yeah, we've had seven in the end. Do you think we've got a, a problem with discipline? Or... I, I think it's discipline in the, in, in the sense that we're a violent team. I think it's stupid fouls. Yeah. Okay. So, like, Crystal Palace was a really good example. Um, when we when we played Crystal Palace, the, the, the foul leading up to the, their goal was basically someone holding on to one of the Crystal Palace players and tugging his shirt. Yeah. That that's one you can avoid. Okay. Um, but, and uh, I don't I don't think it, it's a massive problem. I think it's, it's something that can be eradicated, but it's become a problem for us this season because it's happened quite a lot where players have got two yellows and then they've been sent off. Yeah. Um, and, and as a consequence, we've been disadvantaged by that. Do you think Do you think the refereeing is any worse this year than you've seen in previous seasons, or do you think it's on par? Um, I, as a former referee, I'm very hesitant to criticise refs. As 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 a former referee, I'm happy to throw them under the bus. It's uh, (laughs) it's a difficult job, and it's always very easy to sort of say, "Oh, because everybody has an opinion." Basically, Um, I, I I personally don't think it's been any worse than previous seasons. I think it's probably about standard. Um, I think it's interesting that um, we've certainly criticised Lincoln for or Lincoln supporters for criticising referees and then Port Vale have released a statement this week. (laughs) Writing letters to the FA. (laughs) Yeah, which is in a way laughable. It is very laughable. (laughs) everybody, Everybody has to sort of deal with that. Um, you know, my, my dad, who's involved in coaching, he always says there's, a, like, there's always three things that you can't change about a football match. The ball, the ball, which actually, to be fair, you can change, but the pitch, <laughs> the opposition, and the referee. Pitch, the opposition, the referee. It's always going to be the same. It doesn't matter how which way you work it. Those three are always going to be the same. And In a way, it's right, isn't it? Like, you're not going to be able to change those things. Um do you think? Do you think refs are more? Um, do you think refs are more inclined now to to give that second yellow? There, there may have been a bit more of intrepidation that 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 card warranted a, maybe a, a, a firmer foul or something a bit more than what well, a traditional doubt, yellow would. There's, a, there's been a progression of football, um, which is going towards it being non-contact. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I don't think there's really any more. I think everybody would agree with that. It's the, there's been a sort of gentrification almost of football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and then we talk about so on to Cheltenham. I don't think I wasn't there. I was I was at a kid's birthday party, unfortunately, so I didn't even get to watch it on the old iFollow. Uh, what about you? Did you see much of it? And did you, apart from the highlights, did you see anything else at all? No, Cheltenham at home. I didn't go to. I was at Yeovil the week before. 
Yeah, so I mean, it was it was a nice one. One nil win, played pretty well. Defense continues to be okay. Um, uh, Thomas's penalty was fine, but it wasn't Mitch Rowe's standard. I think the keeper got quite close to it. Uh, yeah, I, I, we can't really talk about much else. That's usually why <laughs> we, I don't have anything else to add on the Cheltenham thing. Nice to beat them, but um, yeah, I, anything to add on Cheltenham. No, so the only disappointing thing about that was Cheltenham are so low down in the league and we played Yeovil the week before and played really well. I was at the Yeovil game and we played some really good stuff. Um, and like given Cheltenham's form, I think we we would have gone into that game. It's it's quite similar to this game coming up at the weekend against Cambridge, I think. Like, yeah. I think we go into that game full of confidence and you expect us really sort of beaten and score from open play but that didn't happen no and so we've got Cambridge coming up uh, lost to them uh, away from home I believe it was it 1-0 did we lose to them I believe it was I just want to double check that because I know am I thinking 3-1 I'm mixing two because let's be honest games against Cambridge away at the moment have never been brilliant we lost 1-0 uh, in at the start of November uh, so yeah how are your thoughts on, on Cambridge coming up? Obviously, sitting Colin Coldwood, now manager, uh, sitting sort of 19th in the league. Uh, well, I think we should definitely win this game. Good. Nice uh, to hear. I, don't, I think our form is much better than their form. And uh, I also witnessed one of Colin Coldwood's previous managerial appointments at Hibernian when I was a Hib season ticket holder. Okay. I live in Edinburgh, and other than sort of five wins on a row that he did uh, quite early in his tenure, uh, he didn't really do much else, much else, and Hibs were pretty terrible. Um, so I don't have a lot of confidence in him. <laughs> no, I mean, so Cambridge are currently 20th in the form table. Uh, they've only scored one in their last five games. Yeah. Uh, conceded four. While we, on the other hand, have the best goal difference and the most points in the last five. I don't know why this website's gone up for the five, but there we go. Um, so, not many teams. No no team has conceded less goals than us in the last five games. Uh, no team has a better goal difference over the last five games. And obviously, no team has, has had a better um, points average as well. And we're the only one of three teams to be on Breton in those last five. Uh, Berry, who are obviously technically actually lost at the weekend uh, lost during midweek to Pompey in the Checker Crap Trophy uh, and Lincoln who are just drawing everything and are slowly falling into oblivion touch wood um, but um, <laughs> so all in all it sounds sounds like a, a, a looks like a, a 1-0 win to Cambridge to me <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, um, I, think, I think if we are serious playoff contenders because obviously everybody has been sort of whispering this word just of late we've, we've got a like sweep these aside and move on to the next game. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? And we, I mean, we spoke about it on the last pod. There are five teams with a point of each other. So somehow, with our paltry, uh, our pathetic minus two goal difference, we somehow find ourselves on top of these of this tree of teams. So there's ourselves, Swin. So even if you include Stevenage, Stevenage are on forty-eight points, and then you've got. Ourselves on 47 with Swindon. Swindon uh, uh, one minus three. Then you've got Oldham, Crewe and Newport all on 46 points. 
Newport have a game in hand as do Swindon on us. So a defeat tomorrow, a defeat on Saturday could actually see us drop down to, to sort of lower mid table if you, if if the results went that way. Um, it's 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 a weird one, isn't it? Yet yeah, obviously a win will take us on to that magical fifty points, not getting relegated, yay! Um, and then um, we could only be sort of only four points off the playoffs. That sounds almost ridiculous. Only sort of uh, five points off uh, fifth. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting actually that you should mention that because um, I don't know if do you know Experimental Three Six One from Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if it was the last one that he did. I'm just trying to look now, but he certainly basically said, uh, "There we go." Uh, when we so this is uh, he's got his scatter graph for expected goals. So yeah. The, the four corners are worst attack, worst defence, better attack, worst defence, worst attack, better defence, better attack, better defence. We're never in the good part of that. We are never in the good part of that. But he goes on to say, when we adjust for shot quality, at least as well as I'm able to measure it, then Grimsby stand out as the worst performing side. Okay. I'm not sure how they're sitting so comfortably in mid-table. It could be that their poor start is skewing the numbers, but if things stay the same, they expect them to drop a bit before the end of the season. And this is the conversation I was just having with you at the beginning of the pod. I think it's Macca. I think the quality of the shot-stopping that he's got, especially that particular skill, I've never been a massive... I, I love Macca to pieces, but I've never been confident in his ability to sort of command his area come for balls and sort of do uh, sort of sort of his distribution, but his shot stopping alone is incredible. And I, it, I think that's one of the things that's skewing that because I've been looking at that and I can't get it. I don't understand how we are. So there's another one as well, which I don't have my phone on me, but there's a, there's another one which tallies it up and league tables it. And we're rock bottom of a lot of things like shots on target, the amount of shots we've had on target with the lowest team. We've also had the most shots on target against us. They all sort of tent lens. And that's the only thing I can think of apart from, from look, but it would also be, and I have not done the research on this. It would be very interesting to have a look at those sort of tables in comparison to Burnley. Obviously he taught, he was, he learned a lot under Sean Dyche and, there might be similarities there in terms of how he sets up his team or how the game plan is. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, I think I think the experimental three six one um, bloke smacks yeah. someone who hasn't actually watched us. <laughs> no, I think it does. Like if you were at Yeovil, for example, I think he's a Torquay fan. If you're if you're at Yeovil or if you're at Cheltenham, like certainly I remember going to uh, coming away from the Cheltenham game and speaking to a friend at that game on the way back to the station and we sat and had a pint afterwards and we were, we genuinely should have won that game. We had the better chances. Uh, we created the better chance for open play. Uh, it was, it was, we were like, I lost how we'd won that. And I, I, I Yeovil, there was no, uh, sort of no question that we weren't the better team. Uh, I think that I think it's one of them. Newport County, for example, we were way better than Newport County at home. So uh, the games that stand up where we we played particularly well are the Newport County game, uh, Tramere, yeah, uh, and um, Notts County, yeah, uh, where we won four nil before Christmas. But I can't particularly remember apart. From, so I remember going to MK Dons at the start of the season, and our first half performance was incredible. I was blown away with how good we were. 
I haven't seen us play a lot like that. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It is a real mystery to me. Uh, I think we're a lot better than people say. Um, I just don't think sometimes... I, I don't feel like, against Swindon, I don't feel like we kept the ball particularly well. I don't know about you. Maybe it wasn't the game plan too, but... No, I don't think it was a game plan. Just give me two sets. <sighs> so what are you all doing? Uh, we might actually start doing some sponsoring on this because we can earn some cash back. We probably spe- we probably spend about a 90, quid a, a 90 quid a year on sort of the hosting site of this. And then also we spent probably about 200 quid on the gear. Um, so we might start doing some sponsoring just to sort of recoup some losses. Um, but we're also looking for people to come and join us. So if you want to come and join the show, we've got a team of about six of us that um, do these uh, shows on rotation. It'll be really good to, to get any more influences on this as well. Uh, it'll be really keen to for you, for you to join us. So if you want to, please do feel free to message us on the Facebook page and on the Twitter page. Uh, and I've been filling now for about two minutes. I'm back. Cool. I did some filling. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, going back to your uh, Swindon question. About keeping the your, ball. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, that was a deliberate tactic to sit deep. And we were definitely going for the juggler about 60 minutes where we wanted to bring Dennis on. And that didn't happen because we had the sending off. Okay. Talking about. Okay. Let's talk about what we want to talk about, Tom. We are both aficionados of floodlights. We love a floodlight. Um, obviously, since our last podcast and our last uh, and uh, John Fenty's uh, 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 sort of appearance with the trust, we won't really talk much about that because, by the sounds of it, nothing much happened with it. I certainly haven't watched it. I don't know. Have you watched any of it, Tom? No. Cool. Yeah. No, me neither. I'm not going to waste my time on it. But one thing that did come out of it was that the floodlights might uh, look like they will be going. Um, I'm quite sad about that. They are quite a quite an emotive piece of sort of industry to me. I can understand if I, I don't think they've been particularly kept well. They haven't certainly haven't been painted for a long time. So if you don't paint something that's up against the sea, <laughs> it's going to get rusty and corrode. Uh, there's also issues with the lighting and, and the, the old, obviously they were bought in the 50s from Wolves. Um, it's all a bit disappointing, isn't it, Tom? How do you feel about it? Oh, it's all massively disappointing. Those floodlights uh, are iconic, not just in the in the Grimsby area. Uh, they're iconic. To, I, I certainly know since we sort of had a bit of discussion about it on Twitter that loads of Wolves fans got involved because they were the floodlights that inspired George Best that were basically the floodlights that lit up Wolves when they embarked on being the forerunners for the European Cup as a as a club. Uh, and I don't know, just uh, there's something about pylons as floodlights, which we don't have anymore, which is it's very nostalgic, but also sort of very romantic as well. Like, I certainly remember my early memories of going to watch Grimsby play walking de- sort of towards the ground and bumping into away fans and people asking, oh, you know, where, where's where's Blundell Park? And like, oh, floodlights are over there. Yeah. Uh, you can see him from the um, from the A18 on the top road, uh, past Laceby, and if you're heading towards sort of like B- uh, Bimbrook sort of way, you can see them from, from, from there. It's, they're an impressive thing when they're on. Um, 
I, I, it just stinks of neglect, really, doesn't it? They they weren't paid, they haven't been painted since the mid nineties. Um, they're not really kept. They've not really been looked after very well. I, I always think, why, why can't we just modernise them, look after them, give them a bit of a spring clean, and then um, sort of put new electrics up there? Because all they are in the end is just metal channeling and and stanchion support, aren't they, for the lights themselves? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's... I think there was a mention that it's the ladders that are, are faulty or whatever. Yeah. So they can't get up there to do, change the bulbs, blah, blah, blah. But, but I, I just think if they, they've clearly known this for a while. Yeah. And if they did know that for a while... You're going to say exactly what I thought. They've, they've, they've missed a massive opportunity. Yeah. Like, you could have said, all right, fair enough. The lights have got to go. Let's announce it La- in the middle yeah. of winter and say, unfortunately, the lights are now 50 years old. We've got to get rid of them, but we can have one last brilliant night under lights at Blundell Park. Get your ticket now. Come and come and join us. Let's let's pack yeah. it. Let's pack a the place. Massive promotion opportunity. I'd I'd have travelled back from Cardiff to go to something like that. Yes, yeah, so- I love those lights. I remember when I first started going to games. With my dad, he used to take me to watch the reserves play until I fell asleep. Yeah. And my two major memories from going to watch those games were, because it was basically the main stand was open. Yeah. About 50p for him to get him or a quid or whatever and free for me. And he used to take me until I fell asleep. And my two lasting sort of impressions were from that. I thought everybody stamping the feet was the trains running at the back of the ground. Uh, which obviously was totally wrong, but I loved it because I loved trains at the time. And um, the other thing that he said I was obsessed with was the floodlights. I didn't really care what was going on on the pitch. I was just like, look at those lights. They're amazing, aren't they? It's just Because you don't have those lights in normal, everyday life. It's just (laughs) weird, though, isn't it? You're talking about, say, so the the ladders are old, okay? They've not been looked after. Um, So that's a fault on the club on their own part anyway. uh, They could be fixed. But... When you look at modern floodlights, I assume they're not going to build something similar with ladders up to them. All the modern floodlights I see are just a pylon in which they get a cherry picker out to, to put any new lights up, don't they? Well, no, the ones like they've got Skeg Town, so it's it's like... Um, Have you seen actually new... what we're going to get? Uh, well, I think they've got... Uh, people can correct me on this, but certainly I think they're the same ones as basically whether they've got a Skeg Town or Grimsby Borough. Um, so it's basically it looks like a street light. Yeah. At the bottom, there's like a hinge, so you can fold it down onto the ground and do all the electrics and also do the bulbs. So it, it's kind of like um, the hinges. I don't know, like three foot off the floor or whatever. It'll be interesting uh, to see what they come up with if they if they just put in something like, for example, what I see at Woking. Where it is, it isn't that. It is just four in the corner, which have just not got any. They're just more modern. Be like, well, you've just swapped floodlights with broken ladders for a floodlight with no ladder. You've still got the same problem. Uh, so, I mean, if it's that, then it is. But it'd be very disappointing if we just have a car park light. Um, but it'd be interesting to see. And it just, just to me, it's indicative of the managed decline of Blundell Park, really, isn't it? I don't know how you. I think you probably agree with me on that. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the main stand used to get a lick of paint every year, and it's not a lick of paint for years. Yeah, uh, it's very, very, very disappointing. I've, in my sort of heart of hearts, I've always 
in a way, hope that we could actually find a way to redevelop Blundell Park and stay there because yeah. it's been our home for for so long. And there is something very atmospheric about those grounds across the UK that have stayed where they are and have been redeveloped. I, I mentioned earlier that I used to have a Hibs season ticket. Uh, Hibs ground has been redeveloped and it is still where it used to be Easter Road. And you, when you go to Easter Road to watch a game and it's packed out, it's brilliant. Like You walk down all the side streets off Easter Road yeah. to get there. And it has that atmosphere that you expect from a, a British football ground. Yeah. Uh, and moving... Uh, the, the Freeman Street idea is definitely the most favourable one for me, and I think it could achieve that. But it's never going to be the same as like walking down Grimsby Cleefox Road from whichever way you come from, and then turning off towards Arrington Street or whatever. And yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just not. It's not going to be the same, is it? There's, there's something special about that. Go walking like walking down a street, seeing a row of yeah. houses, and then oh bloody hell, there's a football ground there. So I mean. Uh, so we've got Crawley as well coming up. We probably won't be on the air between now and then. Um, same similar sort of position in terms of um, where they are as well. They're kind of uh, sort of languishing, especially in sort of the form leagues. They're seventeenth in the form league. They're only they're uh, they're sort of teetering on relegation. Only nine points clear of Macclesfield in 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 that last twenty third spot. What do you feel about that? Obviously, it's away from home. Closest one to London probably this year that we'll get. Uh, hopefully, a big crowd there as well. Um, what do you think about that game as well? Have, have you got any thoughts on Crawley? Have you not looked that far ahead just yet? No, I've certainly looked that far ahead because I'm, you know, dreaming of a, a playoff search. I think that Cambridge and Crawley, two massively winnable games for us, yeah. and we should be really targeting them. And if we get two wins out of two in those games... All of a sudden, we only need six wins in ten. <laughs> and and uh, and Lincoln dropping like a fly, not able to pick anything, not really able to pick up many points recently. You never know. Four, three, seventh yeah. playoff semi-final. Obviously, that would be amazing. That would be very funny. <laughs> it would be hilarious, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, no. I think that's the telltale sign that they are the champions. That they've had a really bad spell, and they haven't actually lost. They've just drawn. Yeah. And they played Exeter the other night, and Exeter have been up there all season. And by from what I've read, Lincoln weren't very good, and Exeter still couldn't capitalise on that. I just think they've got to drop as many points as we've got to gain, so you never know. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't even care if we lost that game, because I think I'd be too busy laughing. I might actually have to be um, sort of take it, rushed into hospital if we were ever to play him in a playoff after their, um, their money, uh, money-ridden season. Um yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add today. Quite, uh, quite a quick. One. I've got no no messages on the on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, anything no, from you? It's very disappointing, and we would like to encourage people to send messages in via at DN three five podcast or through our general personal accounts, which I'm sure you'll be able to work out if you follow us, uh, because we want to interact with people and get them sort of on the air, so to speak, uh, like we did in the last one, because we had a good few responses in the last one, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, there, thank you very much for joining us. Tom, thank you for your time. My pleasure. That's all right. Goodbye, everybody. Nice to see you all. Goodbye, Tom. Cheers. Bye. Bye.